Welcome to the Dietitian Connection podcast, a show about nutrition, dietitians, and their success stories. Through our conversations with nutrition leaders, we aim to inspire you, to connect you with like-minded colleagues, to innovate and push you out of your comfort zone, to create robust debate, to encourage lifelong learning, and to empower you to create more impact as a dietitian. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land where you are listening. I'm recording this from the Aboriginal land of the Boonwurrung people of the Kulin Nation, and I pay respect to their elders past, present and emerging. I extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who are here today with us. Welcome to Dietitian Connections podcast. I'm Emily Fitt. I'm one of the account directors from Dietitian Connection, and I'm an accredited practicing dietitian. Our microbiome is readily influenced by what we eat, and we know this is important to the health of both our body and brain. While there are many biological, social, and lifestyle factors that influence health and well-being, diet is a great way to support health, as it's one of the factors that we can we can control, and we do it multiple times a day. We've heard a lot about the importance of probiotics for your gut health. Yet recently, recently consumer research found that only 17% had a good understanding of what probiotics do for our gut and few knew where to find good everyday sources of probiotics. This month, February, is Gut Health Month, a national month to talk about common gut problems and the nutrition interventions that can help our patients feel better. In this podcast with accredited practicing dietitian, Jamie Rose Chambers, we will take a deep dive into the world of probiotics from a consumer perspective, exploring common myths and misconceptions, sorting out fact from fiction, and what this means for our practice as dietitians. Now a little bit about Jamie. Jamie is an accredited practicing dietitian and nutritionist who holds a Bachelor of Nutrition and Dietetics from the University of Newcastle and is currently completing a Master's of Clinical Science in Complementary Therapies. A lover of food, Jamie originally considered a career as a chef before deciding to combine her two passions, food and health. Today, her days are spent helping her patients understand their own food behaviours and how they can work towards a happier and healthier future while still being able to enjoy the foods they love. So it's safe to say that today's conversation with Jamie is going to be a great one. Today's podcast is supported by Valia. Also, just to note, this podcast is not and is not intended to be medical advice which should be tailored to your individual circumstances. This podcast is for your information only, and we advise that you exercise your own judgment before deciding to use the information provided. Professional medical advice should be obtained before taking action. So welcome to our podcast today, Jamie. I'm really excited to be having this conversation with you today about probiotics and sorting out fact from fiction. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited too. 
It should be a really good conversation because I know that this is a really um, essential area that people really want to know more about. Absolutely. So I'm sure many of our listeners know who you are, Jamie, but can you tell us a bit about your story so far and in particular how you came to have an interest in gut health and probiotics? Sure. So I started my degree when I was about 22, 23. Um, Prior to that, I knew that I loved food. I knew that I loved sort of medicine and science and I I just wasn't really sure what I wanted to uh, study. I didn't even know dietetics existed. I know I've told this story before. Um, But uh, when I saw that, you know, I could study dietetics and I could include both my love of sort of food, cooking, recipe creation, as well as science and actually really help people um, through food. I mean, it was just um, a no-brainer to me and I uh, adore what I do. Um, I definitely definitely feel like I sort of was born to do this, I suppose. Um, I have been doing this for about 13 years now. So I went to uni to thinking that I would be a hospital dietitian. That's really what I wanted to do. And then when I graduated, I got the opportunity to work in private practice and start my own practice. And I think a lot of us know that as dietitians, when we first emerge into the world, uh, into the real world after uni, getting clinical positions is really difficult. It can be really difficult. So I just went ahead with it and thought, well, I'll just give it a crack while I can, um, you know, and sort of see if any hospital jobs come up. And I just really, I, I, I really fell in love with it. And I think working in a medical practice, what it forced me to do is that I had to kind of become a jack of all trades. I had to learn you know, um, about many different conditions in terms of dietetics, I I couldn't necessarily specialize because I could be thrown, you know, any type of patient at any time. And I would say to you when I first started that gut health wasn't maybe a huge focus. And what I noticed is probably in the last five years or so, I think as dietitians, we we can't ignore the fact that gut health is an enormous, um, it's enormously popular right now. Um, And I think that's because we've got a lot of uh, incredible research yeah. Um, now that we can use um, in terms of in terms of what we know and how we can use that in practice with our patients as dietitians as well, and consumers are cottoning onto this. They they know now that there's um, you know they're they're hearing words like probiotics, prebiotics. Um, you know, I think the, the the diagnosis of IBS seems to be far more common. Um, and and we know that there, you know, through research, there are certain things that we can do now as dietitians to really help and support our patients um, with these types of conditions. And so naturally, as a clinical dietitian, I have, you know, I've had to keep up with what's going on. And, and certainly I've got a whole demographic of, demographic of patients now who come to see me specifically with gut health concerns. They might even just want to optimize their gut health. So it's, they come to see me for so many different reasons um, in terms of, you know, uh, how they can improve their gut health or how their gut health might um, sort of affect perhaps a, a systemic um, condition, uh, whether it be inflammation or something along those lines. So, look, it is such a huge part of what I do now as a, as a clinical dietitian. Um, and so, you know, I really need to be keeping up to date with what's going on. Yeah, okay. And it's so that's really great to know a bit more about you. And I think as a profession, we're really lucky that you did fall in with um, private practice, to be honest, and that you are, um, you found your way to, to gut health because I think, um, yeah, your perspective on how you actually see your patients who have gut health issues, I think will be really, really valuable. 
So despite all the publicity and hype around probiotics, it seems there is still fairly low consumer awareness or understanding about probiotics. So why do you think this is the case and what do you see in your day-to-day practice with your patients, Jamie? I think for, for a number of different reasons. So firstly, perhaps there's not some really concise, accurate, easy to understand information that's readily available in the media, on social media about probiotics. I think that's probably maybe first and foremost. Um, Obviously, people are going to try and access information when it's relevant to them as well. So um, I I think as far as as probiotics go, even as a practitioner, there are long kind of difficult sounding words when, you know, if you think about the words that are associated with probiotics, you've got prebiotics, symbiotics, lactobacillus, you know, bifidobacterium, what do these things mean to the consumer, um, you know, and how are they relevant to them? And so I think that's where it can get really tricky too. It's like, Mm. you know, okay, probiotics might be good for me, but which ones do I take? Where do I get them? How do I access them? So I think there's, you know, just generally a lot of, um, you know, there's not some, a really, there's not this great accessible, easy to understand information for, for a consumer. And look, that's where I think a lot of, um, you know, dietitians, that's really up to us as well to get really savvy and uh, with how we educate our patients about probiotics and how they can benefit them. Um, you know, that is our job ultimately is to, you know, to translate that nutrition science and make it e- easily understandable for our patients and for the general for the general public too. I think a lot of it comes from a hangover from diets as well. Now, this is what I see in practice a lot. You know, a lot of people are doing things like low carbohydrate diets. They might be trialing a vegan diet for a period of time. Not that I have anything wrong with any of these particular diets, but what it means is that for whatever reason, they might've gotten out of the habit of eating, say, dairy products, for example. And they're not really quite sure why they're not consuming it anymore. Um, you know, perhaps they'd heard in the grapevine or they, uh, you know, a, a well-meaning health practitioner perhaps told them that it would be better for them to, uh, you know, trial a lactose-free diet or a dairy-free diet for a period of time to see it improve certain symptoms that they had. And unfortunately, what that also means is that it, it, there's no backup information. Okay, well, if you're going to cut out, uh, you know, dairy from the diet, for example, I say dairy because obviously, um, you know, yogurt being one of the greatest sources of probiotics in our food source, um, you know, where are you going to get those probiotics from then? Where are you going to get that calcium from if you're going to cut out, you know, effectively a whole food group? So, um, you know, well-meaning practitioners, well-meaning, you know, friends and family, you know, well-meaning social media influencers perhaps, um, you know, might make these suggestions, but then there's not the follow-up as to, well, what are we going to then miss out on from our diet? And, um, you know, often probiotics is really one that then, you know, gets lost um, uh, from the diet when, 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 when we're not regularly consuming dairy products. So um, that's certainly something that I see in practice um, a lot. I see it a lot in, look, young women. It's quite common. I see it in kids too, um, which is a real worry. Um, I think kids can naturally be a little bit, you know, are naturally often a little intolerant to lactose, sometimes too much dairy can give them a bit of a funny tummy. Um, But, you know, we know as dietitians, they don't necessarily need to be cutting dairy from their diet unless, of course, they've got a dairy allergy and switching over to sort of a a lactose-free range of of dairy products, um, you know, might be the way to go in the short term. But as a general rule, if if, if that consumer hasn't, 
um, you know, seen a dietitian, they may not be given that information. And I mean, again, as dietitians, you know, we know that by cutting out things like foods that contain these probiotics, particularly if it's a gut for a gut health issue, um, it's a bit of a catch-22 because these pro- probiotics, they really help to improve our gut health. So we're cutting out foods that can actually ultimately help our gut health um, by providing us with these really important probiotics. Um, and ultimately by cutting them out can actually make our gut health even worse. And that's a real issue too. Yeah. And I think you've really explained quite well um, that that is the role of dietitians. We can do a lot around misconception, don't you think? Oh, we absolutely can. And I think that's probably one of the, the, the you know, sort of strongest things that we can do as dietitians in, a, in social media is that we can cut through all the nutrition um, sort of myths and misconceptions out there from all sorts of different sources. And, you know, I, I think what what's great is that it, as a general rule, when a consumer sees that the information is from a dietitian, that it's it's generally a credible it's credible information, which is fantastic. So, um, you know, I think we need to work really hard at keeping the, those messages out there and um, and and really educating um, the public as best that we can, and our patients, of course, as well. Depending on you know whether you are on social media or not, and what you do as your as your job. Yeah, correct. And I think also, you know, that's exactly why Dietitian Connection has started Gut Health Month is to hopefully, you know, give um, dietitians, whether it's a social media tile to raise awareness of yeah, fantastic how we can help as dietitians. That's great. Yeah, we, we're really excited about it. And so mm-hmm. what um, are some of those misconceptions? Like I know you've spoken about them, but I guess going a bit further and um, deep diving around what are you seeing in practice um, for probiotics and, and misconceptions about probiotics amongst, amongst um, consumers or your patients? Yeah, this is really interesting. So there's, there's, a, there's a few of them that I see quite commonly. So the first is that a fermented food, so for example, um, you think about kimchi, sauerkraut, pickles, sourdough bread, et cetera, that a fermented food doesn't necessarily contain probiotics. So um, I will go into more detail with this, um, uh, you know, further in our chat, but um, that's a really common one that I see that, for example, you know, um, if you eat plenty of kimchi and have, you know, sourdough bread, that that's going to cover you um, for the probiotics that are necessary for optimum gut health. And that's not the case at all. Um, and, in, and I would say to you that yogurt's probably actually one of the best examples of this. So it's often assumed that yogurt contains probiotics, mm. um, but that's actually not the case. So not all yogurts contain probi- probiotics. So yeah. um, it's really important that we, again, get quite savvy at what, what to look for on particular yogurt brands um, and, and obviously other foods as well that contain probiotics. Um, and how we can show and educate our patients as to what to look for so that they're getting um, a product that does contain beneficial probiotics for us. Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. The second one is that probiotics will change your microbiome. So this is another really interesting one. So I think it's probably assumed that if you take a probiotic or you're, you're having a probiotic, that it's going to just sort of change your whole microbiome. And that's actually not the case at all. So Probiotics are, are what we call sort of visitors to the gut. They pass through, they exert their health benefits on the way through, and uh, and then they and then they pass right out again. So they don't actually go in and stay there and populate. They pass through, 
Um, so that's probably another really common misconception that I, I hear. Um, the, the last one and potentially the most important one is that any probiotic will help. Mm-hmm. And so what, what we know about probiotics is there are, are very specific strains of probiotics and that they generally have um, quite specific effects on the body as well. So we know that so, so you can almost, in a way, I suppose, match a strain of probiotic to a particular condition. Um, so we know that there's certain probiotics that are specific for IBS. We know there are certain probiotic strains that are specific for, for uh, inflammatory bowel disease, for example, um, for constipation. So I think it's a matter of, um, you know, d- doing your research. I, I sometimes, just, I, I've got a little document, particularly when I first started researching all of this as a practitioner, I had a little document where I, I it was sort of, uh, I just wrote down a very basic guide as, um, you know, condition, um, appropriate bacterial strain um, or, or probiotic strain that would be helpful and where you could find those particular um, probiotic strains so that when I had a patient with a certain condition that I thought probiotics would be appropriate for, I could refer to that as a, as a practitioner because, again, lots of long names, lots mm-hmm. of research that's kind of being updated on a regular basis. Um, so just keeping that document on hand was quite useful that I could refer to in terms of, um, uh, you know, when I was in, in uh, practice with a patient. So that's another really good one to just, uh, you know, in terms of um, uh, having a reference, a, 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 an easy reference as a dietitian um, to just keep on hand. Yeah, I think that's, I love um, how you say, you know, that probiotics are visitors of the gut. Yeah. um, The more that we have these sort of sayings or easy, easily um, understandable ways to explain probiotics, I think that's Mm. a great way to, to really explain it for the patient. And then I think that's a great suggestion around writing down a basic guide. It's almost like a ready reckoner, right, for probiotics. Absolutely. That's that's a great word for it. That's exactly right. Yeah. And look, just a, I'll, I'll throw out a couple of just additional statistics as well yeah. um, on top of this in terms of the misconceptions. So um, there was a, a study that was done um, that found that one in three p- people um, it, it, within the study believed that um, cutting out dairy was appropriate when you were when you were congested so you know if you had a cold or flu or runny nose or whatever Mm -hmm. uh that it was uh, that you needed to cut out dairy another found that one in three people believe that you should cut out yogurt with an upset stomach and that's another really interesting one too i mean i think as dietitians we could probably safely say that the perhaps the opposite is (laughs) is necessary so there's a lot of misinformation and some and a lot of misconceptions out there that's for sure yeah, and I think um, just with the fer- fermented foods, which is actually our next question for you, but um, I think because both of those, so probiotics and um, fermented foods, really came to um, people became more aware of both at the same time. Um, mm. So like you say, they may have got misconstrued as sort of one of the same. That's um, a good point, yeah. Yeah, so that's really interesting. And I guess just delving a bit more into fermented foods. So like you said, it is an area that is um, quite misunderstood. Mm. And I think uh, people are getting to understand uh, the difference between, say, something like a probiotic and and a fermented food. But can you sort of just for everyone out there just to explain the actual difference between fermented food and 
than foods containing probiotics? And also, how do you explain the difference? So let's start with fermented foods. So um, fermenting is obviously a very, very old, ancient sort of process that's usually used to extend the shelf life of a food. Um, but it's got some other nutritional benefits too. So when there's this micro microorganism activity, what it does is it changes the food. It um, breaks down the carbohydrates and sugars in the food to alcohol and acids, and they can be that process can be quite helpful. So it can nutritionally make that food a little easier to, to digest, um, and it can also make those nutrients a little more readily available as well. So there's some really great um, nutritional benefits to fermented foods. So probably your most common ones that we know about, I mentioned a few before, but like pickles, sauerkraut, kimchi, then you've got things like tempeh, um, uh, sourdough bread, um, you know, obviously then we've got things like cheese and, you know, uh, um, uh, wine and beers and that type of thing. But I think nutritionally we'll probably stick to um, <laughs> the, uh, the pickled vegetables and the sourdough bread today. Um, and so Look, I think the real difference between fermented foods and probiotics is that um, uh, one has been well-researched and one hasn't. So yeah. fermented foods, we know that there, there are live microbes um, in those foods, um, but what strains are in there and at what quantities, because they haven't been researched, we don't know. So they very likely have uh, strong health benefits um, there are obviously nutritional benefits outside of the probiotic benefits as well to eating fermented foods. But as far as a specific probiotic, fermented foods don't necessarily, um, they're not really, they're not the same thing. They're not one and the same thing. Um, so they, they're not necessarily bad for us. Um, they could provide a range of different bacterial strains, but again, we just, we don't know. Um, so the, I think that they're a great thing to have as part of our regular diet. Um, they usually are a bit of a, um, a novelty. So I think that, you know, as a, sourdough, I think is probably a much more common food that's consumed these days. But things like pickles and, and kimchi, they've obviously got a certain flavour to them as well. So some people, you know, often they either love them or hate them. Then if we move over to probiotics, these are probably, you know, um, th this is a much more sort of specific scientific, um, they have more specific scientific characteristics. So in order to be called a probiotic, they need to be of, of human origin. They need to be able to survive intestinal conditions they need to have scientifically proven health benefits and they need to be safe to consume as well. And so what we know is, um, as I mentioned before as well, that as a general rule, a specific strain of bacteria will be, um, uh, will be researched. Um, uh, and in order for a food product to um, have certain health claims, um, they need to they need to be using certain strains of bacteria that have uh, or probiotics I should say sorry that uh, have been well researched and also show and exert these particular health benefits. So I think you it's probably safe to say yogurt is probably the best food product that contains probiotics um, that are in uh, you know a level that is beneficial so a quantity that is beneficial to to us. Okay. Um, as as well as um, well-researched strains of bacteria. Um, but in saying that, um, not all yogurts contain these probiotics. And I will go into more detail about how to, uh, how to determine on a, on a, on a package, um, how, how to figure out which is 
um, a, a yogurt or a, or a particular food product. Kefir is another one. Yep. Um, yep. So that's another good food product that um, often will contain these, these live bacteria or live cultures, which is usually what is written on the front of the packet. Um, and uh, the other is kombucha. Again, not all of it, but some um, uh, particular, some specific brands that are, are very, um, uh, it's, it's quite obvious on their label that they contain natural, that they contain these probiotic cultures. So it's a matter of getting quite savvy with um, reading food labels and then also um, uh, uh, then educating our patients about what to look for. So uh, what I do with my patients is, yep, I, I have these food products in my, you can, uh, I mean, you can see on the video, I've got, yes, I've got a whole wall yeah. of food products behind me. Yeah, exactly. And I use, yeah, and I use them for many different reasons and purposes. But um, one of them is that I have a range of products that contain uh, uh, probiotics um, uh, that are obviously going to be beneficial for our health. Um, so specific brands as well. And I will show and do label reading exercises with my patients. So first of all, starting at the front of the packet and looking for certain words that will um, give a hint that there might be um, beneficial probiotics within that product. So we're looking for words like live and active um, uh, bacteria or live cultures. Um, so they're the sorts of words you're going to be looking for on the front of the label. And then flipping that packet or packet around or the package around and looking at the um, at the nutrition information panel. And so what you'll find on that nutrition information panel um, is uh, the specific strains of bacteria or probiotic that is um, in that product. So there's usually two or three. Some common ones are things like LGG, yep. BB12. So there's some really common ones that we that, that are in high quality um, probiotic products, food products. The other thing we're looking for is the CFU or colony forming unit. So as a general rule, we're looking for roughly a, around 1 billion CFU per 100 grams. So that's a kind of fairly good guide as to um, a food product that has got these beneficial strains of bacteria that are going to actually be beneficial for our health. And so that's that, That's usually what I would do with my patient is run them through and ju just show them the product, show them like we do with other label reading exercises. I find that, um, you know, uh, as, a, as a visual um, exercise, often it's much easier for the for our patients or you know, I think just anyone in general to sort of really retain that information and then they can use that in practice when they're in a supermarket choosing their own products. Yeah, I think, um, and just for the listeners at home in terms of what Jamie has in her background, she's currently in her clinic and I yeah. think it's a really common um, way to that private practice dietitians, you know, you often see in their office they've just got an array of different products. So actually being able to pick up a product and show um, a patient, which is literally what they would do in a supermarket, is a great way to then talk them through how to actually understand what they're looking for for. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I'll just add in terms of, you know, helping to understand um, about claims and the science for the, for the dietitians, we'll um, put a link in the show notes um, around the Fazan's website and just what the self-substantiation claims are there. Um, so that'll give people an understanding of what um, is actually, what probiotics are self-substantiated. So we'll do yeah. that. Do you ever use that for yourself? Uh, I do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, obviously we have to 
um, you know, look, obviously I need to keep up to date as a, as a, as a practitioner, but um, as far as patients go, look, it, it's not common for, for me to get a patient that wants that much in-depth information. Um, but, you know, uh, on occasion, and I, of course, for SANS is obviously, you know, um, uh, uh, your, your first port of call as far as um, that information goes. The other thing I wanted to add to, I think, as far as, you know, m- if we're needing to be having probiotics on a daily basis, and so that really is the recommendation is to be having a probiotics daily um, for a number of different reasons. So it ultimately needs to be a part of our everyday diet. And as dietitians, we're, com- we're often doing meal plans for patients. So we need to find a way of weaving these foods into, into the diet so that it's something that's really easy that they can have every day. And I find that you know, educating them on the health benefits of these probiotics is particularly important. So I often will spend some time sort of discussing with them. I think the more knowledge that our patients have about why they need to do something can be incredibly motivating. And so, um, you know, I will talk to them about these particular strains of of probiotics um, and, and why they're beneficial. So the research shows that they can help to boost our immunity um, and digestive well-being. If you wanted to go into even more detail as well, so we know that what probiotics can do is to help protect the gut barrier um, or the lining of the gut. So if you've got patients with, you know, um, uh, irritable bowel syndrome or IBD, um, a lot of those conditions, um, you know, probiotics can be very helpful. Um, they produce metabolites. So, you know, short-chain fatty acids, for example, we know they have an anti-inflammatory component. So anyone with an, with an inflammatory condition, that could be relevant to them. Um, We know that from an immune perspective that these probiotics pass through, they bind to immune cells and what they do is they sort of help to educate our immune cells and help us, our our gut, to be more tolerant to the foods that we eat. So anyone with a food intolerance, um, any, uh, you know, anyone who has been following a low FODMAP diet, um, you know, uh, so obviously been on a sort of restrictive diet for a period of time, um, that these probiotics might actually be really helpful to help to build the tolerance um, to a lot of these foods that they might have had an issue with in the past. Obviously, then there's this as a more systemic effect on immune system as well. Um, you know, and just base, you know, and, and, and on a more basic level, you know, we know that these probiotics, if if the environment in our gut is is really is optimum and we've got lots of strains of these bacteria and uh, in in good quantities, you know, in decent quantities, we know as well that they can help um, to digest food, um, that they they can also help to create some vitamins as well, which is really important from a nutritional perspective. We know that there's some vitamins that are only, that are only created in the gut. Um, and so, you know, these probiotics have a, a huge variety of um, benefits for us for the healthy person on a day-to-day level, but also for certain specific conditions as well. So I find that if you can tailor that education and tailor that information to your patient, um, depending on what their um, background, their medical background is, that can be incredibly motivating and incredibly helpful. Yeah, and um, yeah, you can tell that you really see quite a number of um, patients. I love sort of some of your terminology, you know, educate immune cells, like fantastic. Really great. And I would assume that another motivating factor, like you said, is their, um, you know, their symptoms would be quite debilitating at times. So really um, gearing them up with that education would give them motivation because of the basically just their symptoms. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's a, a lot of the time why that why that patient is here to see me in the yeah. first place is that they're they're over it. You know, they're just yeah. they're their their life is really impacted by their symptoms, um, particularly for things like irritable bowel syndrome, which can be notoriously very tricky to manage. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's that's a very common one that I see. So you have gone through quite a bit around how to choose a food um, based on, you know, how much and how to identify probiotics within that food. But it would be great if you could just go in um, to a little bit more detail about the specific food like sourdough or you mentioned yogurts, um, maybe kefir, just in terms of any watch outs um, on how you help your patients uh, understand what to look for. Yeah, sure. So as a general rule, you know, we talked about the fermented foods before. So um, what that what you will find is that on their packaging, there will be no indication of whether there is a probiotics, you know, that 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 are in those products. Um, you know, we know that they can be helpful, but from a scientific perspective and from a um, probiotic perspective, so those specific um, strains of bacteria that have been well researched and at high numbers. Um, that are uh, added to our food source, they're, they're not necessarily, you, you probably won't see any indication on the packaging that they will contain them. We just know as a fermented product that they're likely to be in there um, and that that might be beneficial um, for us to eat them on a regular basis. Um, but from a more, I guess, specific um, sp- perspective as far as probiotics go, um, you know, I, I think I've pro- mentioned before probably the three main products that you would find those specific strains of, of probiotics in them mm-hmm. um, that are going to be very beneficial for our health. Um, so, uh, you know, yogurt is obviously the first one. Yeah. Um, I did mention as well before that some yogurts don't contain probiotics, so they might naturally contain, um, you know, uh, microbes, um, bacteria from the fermentation process. But in terms of those specific strains that are then added to the yogurt, um, that is um, usually very clearly found on the nutrition label. So, you know, if you're looking down a nutrition label, it's usually the last two or three lines of that nutrition label. Um, And it'll say in great big letters, um, you know, exactly what that strain of bacteria is and then in what quantity. And that quantity is quite important too. We need that to be at a certain quantity. Otherwise, it won't necessarily impact our gut health. So we want um, a variety of strains and we wanted it at high quantities or at particular quantities in order for it to have those uh, health benefits for us. Um, Kefir, again, same deal. If you look at kefir and uh, kombucha as well, um, it's pretty much the same deal. So um, you will find that there will be a, a bunch of brands uh, that will naturally contain some probiotics, but not necessarily um, researched. Um, it's just a, uh, a as a fermented product, it's likely to have some probiotic strains or some bacterial strains. Um, but again, there's certain brands that will specify that there's live and active cultures in them. Um, and then again, um, quite often on the nutrition label, it will specify or the ingredient list as well, it might specify. So they're the products we want to be looking for um, uh, in terms of their, the daily consumption of them to have those uh, gut health benefits. 
Okay, and it sounds obviously like everybody can really benefit from daily consumption of probiotics, but are there any uh, patient groups you mentioned before, obviously around patients that experience IBS, um, but any uh, other patients that you find would definitely benefit on um, having uh, probiotics every day? Uh, Absolutely. So I think that everyone on some level every day can benefit from eating a, particularly a food source of probiotic mm. just to for, for general gut health, for general digestion, um, for general immune health. Um, I think that we can all uh, we can all definitely benefit from having a good quality probiotic every day. Um, and obviously, it's not you're not particularly necessary to take a supplement. It's in our food food source. We just need to learn and and fi- figure out where to find that. Mm. So I think everyone every day, as you mentioned, but then again, there's some specifics. And look, the list is fairly long because I think that, you know, probiotics can be really helpful on, on, a, on a number of levels for a number of different um, uh, conditions or medical, medical, uh, medical conditions or uh, health conditions or even life stages, for example, pregnant and breastfeeding women. Yeah, and you touched on it before, but it would be really great, I think, for a number of our listeners to understand what your, what your recommendation for frequency of the of probiotic consumption. So obviously we've talked about potentially including it as every day, but, you know, um, when do you think that your patients, if you're putting them or suggesting to have probiotics, would really feel that difference? Yeah, so the, the general recommendation is... Uh, so let's start, you know, uh, again for uh, the general public, for example. So the the average healthy person, I think something like uh, a, a good quality uh, uh, with obviously with live and active cultures, yogurt, kefir or kombucha or whatever product that contains these um, probiotics uh, every day, I think would be, um, you know, it is not unrealistic. And I think it is a really important part of, uh, of a meal plan as a dietitian if you're putting that together for a patient. Mm-hmm. Um, as a general rule, people f- will report that they feel a benefit from that anywhere between um, uh, sort of two days and four weeks. Okay. So that's the probably, and, and look, I think it's really important to understand too, there's so many factors that will impact um, how people respond to these probiotics too. So what is the gut health like? What is the gut health like as a baseline? You know, so what are we working with here? Is gut health fairly good? So you may not feel too much of a difference or is gut health not terribly good? So you might feel a, quite a considerable difference quite quickly. Then, of course, you've got then your um, acute, more acute doses of probiotics um, where, for example, someone might take it, um, you know, for somewhere between two and four weeks to perhaps... Um, uh, you know, uh, maybe after a dose of antibiotics or uh, after being unwell for a period of time. Um, and, and again, um, it's really difficult to say how quickly um, they might feel that effect. Um, but as I said before, as a general rule, it's within days to weeks. So, um, you know, I think that's also a really important point to mention to um, patients as well, that expectation of how long it might take for them to feel the difference. Um, uh, if any, you know, um, that maybe they don't feel any difference at all. Um, uh, but what they might notice is their bowel function changes, um, uh, that they're going to the toilet better, that they've got less bloating. So they're often common things that I hear from patients too after sort of um, having a, a regular source of probiotic in their diet. 
Yeah, and it's interesting. I think it may take a dietitian to potentially point out the benefits, like you said. So a person may not necessarily think that their bowel habit or changes in bowel habits is a, um, you know, a benefit or a change um, from having probiotics. So a dietitian's role is really to say, okay, well, this is actually a good a good sign. This um, may be because of the probiotics that you're taking. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and then that's even further motivating, I think, to continue on with it as well um, is when, when there's that real identified noticeable difference in, in symptoms. Okay, so we've talked a lot about the benefits of probiotics today and you've spoken a lot about, you know, um, frequency, so what type, how much in terms of probiotics, the evidence behind probiotics. Um, and, but are there any specific take, key takeaways that you would want to provide to dietitians uh, in terms of this conversation and how to really help people uh, with taking or consuming probiotics? Yeah, I think first and foremost, we need as dietitians need to be really um, informed and savvy about where we get our probiotics from. Um, you know, even down to I think what most of us as dietitians do: get into the supermarket, read those food labels, um, get really familiar with what products um, contain these sources of probiotics. Um, are so that we can then education educate our patients about them. So I think it's important for us to uh, know about the strains of bacteria, how they can be, um, uh, you know, specifically helpful and beneficial to our patients and their specific conditions, um, and then find products and food products and food sources that can be really helpful. Um, and so, you know, really um, having having that information will only help us to be better communicators and better educators to our patients. And, you know, as uh, I mentioned before, um, you know, putting together a meal plan or, or, or a, a guide or a, or a list of suggestions for our patients, depending on how you, um, you know, sort of follow up with your patient, um, you know, making sure that um, you make it as easy as possible for your patient to identify these foods um, in the supermarket. So having them available in your offices or um, pictures that you can send um, and also teaching them how much to have um, that's going to be beneficial to their health, as well as how they can weave it into their diet on a daily basis. So if it's yogurt, for example, are we adding it to a smoothie? Are we having it um, with granola for breakfast? Um, are we having it with some fruit after dinner? How are we having it? So that it's, um, it, it's a really simple, no-brainer, easy way of adding it to the diet on a daily basis. I think you've really done a, a great job to be able to explain um, what dietitians should be educating their clients on and then, um, you know, with simple tips like having a ready reckoner around um, gut health and, and like you said, having the products on hand. So I think they're all really great takeaways. Thanks, Jamie. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. So as we mentioned, we really, in terms of the um, takeaways from this, there, there are lots of different takeaways um, from today's podcast. We will put the um, Fazan's link uh, in the show notes. So if you're interested in uh, understanding more about claims and what claims can currently be made on products, um, today, it's been really great to chat to you, Jamie, uh, and learn more about the misconceptions of probiotics. So 
Thanks a lot for your time. And I think that dietitians will find your insights and your experience with clients really valuable in their own practice, uh, as this is like we've been talking about such a topical area and dietitians are really, really well placed. And I think I'm more convinced after this conversation (laughs) um, to offer individual advice uh, to help people navigate um, all the information out there because it is a really confusing topic, which will hopefully be come a little bit easier to understand but dietitians really can obviously play that role in in supporting their their clients don't you think oh absolutely i mean we that that's what we're here for that's our role i think as dietitians is to be the ultimate nutrition educators so yeah that's that's what we're trained for that's what we're here for and i think um you know there's plenty of great advice out there i think it just can be incredibly confusing so Um, we can get really, really good at uh, educating our patients and making sure that they're doing all the best things that they can for their gut health. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose just to reiterate, um, we do recommend that um, you see a dietitian for personalised help. Um, This is just a, this is an educational podcast. And thank you so much again, once again, to Valia for supporting this podcast today. To get all of the links and resources we discussed in this episode, you can go to dietitianconnection.com slash podcasts. And if you'd like to support the Dietitian Connection podcast, please leave a review and a rating on the Apple Podcasts app. Tell us what you thought of this episode, what you learnt, and share your guest requests for us to consider for future episodes. We value hearing from you and we really appreciate your feedback. So please, please hit that review button.